1: Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Uh, hello, everybody. Welcome to your Friday episode. Uh, it's uh, obviously just me, Jamie. Hey, welcome to the show. If you haven't, if you're a new listener... Welcome uh, to the podcast. If you're an old listener, an OG, original gangster. <laughs> oh my God. Then welcome back, baby. Um, today's episode, we have EL Booker on the show. Um, Eyal was on Love Island. He's a model. He's an influencer. Um, he dated Delilah Bell Hamlin, um, who... Uh, is an American influencer son, a son, American influencer daughter of Lisa Rina, who is on The Real Housewives. And boy, my fiance Sophie is she a fan. So it's going to be a great episode. We dive in deep about different things, health, mental health, relationships, love, love island and all great episode hey listen also remember that we have our private moments on mondays um where you can check out all the little moments we've had in our archive and of course our bonus episode on wednesdays um we're also on tiktok instagram all those kind of places and please we love the fact that you listen to the show so if you could please click that subscribe button on spotify or apple it means the world okay here we go here's the episode with el booker Do you know how I think we should kick off podcasts? Well, I'll tell you <laughs> We should always ask each other how we are Isn't that a good way to start? That's a great way to start uh, So, yeah, how are you? I'm good I'm, I'm yeah. actually great feel That's a good. good thing to be Yeah
0: um, I feel like I'm in a good place at the moment I woke mm-hmm. up this morning I woke up early I went to the gym I got some stuff done You mm-hmm. know, and that's a nice way to start the day How are you?
1: Love that little response. You know what you know what I worked out? Apparently when um when when you ask for salt at a table, so you go, Oh, can you please pass the salt? Apparently you should never ask for the salt. You should always say, Hey, would you like some salt? And then someone passes it back. And so that's the same with feelings. That was a weird tangent. But I feel Interesting. like Yeah, I feel like but that's what we just did. I asked you for the salt, or I was asking you for the salt, and then you relayed it back to me. Yeah. Does that make sense? But what if I
0: don't want the salt. And, I don't know. And then just don't offer it to you. I Some people know. aren't.
1: I thought you were going to be open and you were open. Okay,
0: good. <laughs>
1: do, you, do you like having a routine?
0: I think it's really important for me. I, I learned, I was working with a life coach, I think maybe three years ago. And I learned that one of the key things for me is to have, to feel a sense of achievement after, at the end of every day. And I think the way that I can do that pretty much as soon as i start the day is by waking up and getting in the gym and putting myself through some kind of disgustingly brutal workout where i feel during it like it's the last thing i ever want to do and whilst i'm on my way there but afterwards just a huge sense of achievement and accomplishment
1: wait that that feels like a a pretty intense setup if you if you are trying to achieve something at the end of every day What happens if you don't achieve anything at the end of, or don't feel like a sense of achievement at the end of every single day, or is the fact that you just went to the gym that's a sense of achievement? That in itself can be a sense of achievement. It doesn't have
0: to be like this, you know, monumental achievement where I've you know conquered the world. It could just be things that I do that I might procrastinate on, or little things that I know I need to get done that I'm putting off, and if I do them, that then that in itself is for me a sense of achievement.
1: Fuck, I love that.
0: Yeah. And I think it's really important for me because in this industry, there is no structure. There is, you know, sometimes weeks feel like weekends and weekends feel like working weeks. And unless I create structure in my life, then life I feel like is just going to run away with me and I'll never get anything done. And I think at the start of this year, I spent last year. Kind of partying and mending my go. broken heart in okay. whatever way I saw oh, fit. Oh, straight in there. Okay. And <laughs> Here we go. this year was all about getting things done that I really have always wanted to do. So I just ran the marathon. Did which you? Which was,
1: yeah. Which, which one? Which marathon? The LA marathon. Uh, so that's 44.5 kilometers. Yeah, as well. so 26.2 20... miles. Shit. I How can... intense is that?
0: Fuck me like (laughs) is it really bad i trained for about six to eight weeks yeah longest run i did was a 23 mile i completely underestimated the challenge of the marathon and like i take my hat off to anyone that's ever run a marathon no matter what time they've run it in nothing like that putting your body through that and just like the mental battle that you go through and i saw a guy and he ran past me, which which doesn't sit well with me. Yeah, he fully shat his pants. <laughs> you're lying. <laughs> right? You're lying. Didn't just like you're slide lying turd, right? He shat himself. Fully shat his pants oh down the backs god. of his legs,
1: oh, right? And this was my. at mile
0: twenty-four. God knows when he shat himself. When?
1: Oh my god! Bear in mind. <laughs>
0: i can i'll forever remember the stench and wondering like what were you like that? just behind him i was in front of him <laughs> and, then he, and then he ran past ran you passed me which i will never were live you like down.
1: bro what the hell you got i looked
0: around and this is at the point where like you know everyone is in this deep like cave of pain mm-hmm. and like i looked around to interact with someone as to just be like you know, Can you did see you? this guy? And nobody acknowledged it, and, and I just like my mind was blown. And don't get me wrong, if he was an <laughs> Olympic athlete yeah. or he was running for the grand prize or to you know make a you know make his debut, you know mm. marathon time. But this guy, like we we ran a good time, but it wasn't like you know if I shot myself on
1: a marathon, I'd dip off to the right and I'd never be seen again. Hundred percent. I would not be still in that race. There's no <laughs> ways. Wait, what time did you do then? I did it
0: in three hours and 42 minutes.
1: Oh my God. Right which, there.
0: yeah, I wanted to get a sub 330. Um, I was on track for it. Mile 22. I cramped like I've never cramped in my entire life. My quads, really? my glutes and my hamstrings and both legs just fucking seized up i dropped to the floor like yelped luckily some guy that was having a coffee saw came over and started stretching me out people were running up what the hell
1: is this This marathon is like the weirdest marathon you got people shitting themselves you got people (laughs) having coffees and then stretching you out Yeah, and then people
0: offering pickle juice right what does pickle juice do i didn't fucking know this and some lady comes over she's like you want some pickle juice i'm like it's mile fucking 22 my mouth is dry as fuck <laughs> who wants pickle juice it helps cramps Is it really apparently it's game changing
1: well is that because of the salt what, is I there assume, salt in it or something i like assume
0: that? the sodium in it yeah um and i had no fucking idea otherwise i would have drunk all the pickle juice in sight because it was that bad um wow i, yeah. I
1: i've never the, the furthest i've run i did this was like at the end of lockdown and i was like i was like i reckon i can do a marathon like i'm a i'm an athlete yeah i can do this shit and um i went out and ran and i got to 14 kilometers and honestly i thought my heart was gonna stop (laughs) it's like this is the worst no human should be doing this i don't
0: get it i reckon you also were running too fast the thing they say about running the thing you know about me I'm an athlete, speedy guy, (laughs) pretty quick guy. But then you've got people like JP Josh Patterson. Yeah, you know he's doing 76 marathons in 76 days, and I don't think unless you've run even a marathon that you can quite comprehend what that is doing and what
1: he's. He's different. I had dinner with Josh before he went, and shout out to Josh who's doing that. He's he's run for a million, or what he's doing. So he's trying to raise a million quid. you know, I I even said this to him, like he, I, like he has, he, he has something cooked a little bit inside of him, like in some sort of way, like putting your body and your mind through that type of stress. For sure. He's, he's, I uh, don't know. He's like, a different breed. Yeah. Like, I also think
0: that the mental silence that comes with it, the, the peace of mind, they talk about this runner's high. Um, flow it, Is that flow state? I wouldn't say that's flow state. I think potentially the runner's high comes are uh, and again don't quote me on this because what do i we're know? gonna quote you on this so um, this is so flow this state. is you <laughs> okay, here it slow state i believe is when you're in a state of flow and it's like you're you're so locked in and there's no thoughts that are coming in i think this runner high comes at the end where you've for these mental demons that are telling you to stop to give up you know you're questioning yourself your body can you step one foot further go on for one mile longer and then you complete this and the sense of calm and silence in your mind is there is is just peace you know
1: dude I I I, I, I like that 14 kilometers that I ran like people go, like if you, like, if I was listening to David Goggins or something like that, he'd be like, you can go further. What are you doing? <laughs> you're, you're nearly, you're not, you when you think you're dead, you're uh-huh. only starting to be born. It's like, oh my God. Like, honestly, I could not have gone. You like, could have. No, dude, you I, could have. I could not, like, I could not have gone. Like my brain was like beyond stopping. It was like just gone. So I don't understand where that kind of. Because
0: it's, it's the brain that you have to fight. Your body can push on. They say, mm. you know, your body can keep on going. It's your mind that you allow to stop your body. So it, it, and it's funny that you mentioned David Goggins because again, we're referencing these other challenges and they are huge. And when I talk mm-hmm. about the marathon, I actually don't feel like it's that big of yeah, an well achievement. Done, buddy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah, good well, for you. Well done, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, but after that cramp, after I started cramping on the marathon, I I was cramping for every you know half mile after that, and. Um. I would stop. I would pound my legs. I would try and stretch them out and then I'd keep on going. And I was talking to myself as if all I wanted to do was cry and give up and and just stop running. And I decided in that moment, I am never, ever, 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 ever running again. Like, fuck running. (laughs) But... I was like, come on here, y'all. you can fucking do it. One more step, just one foot in front of the other, just like talking, switch my music off, put my AirPods away. And it was just like- Really? Because that
1: was even more of like a distraction. It
0: was irritating me. Everything irritated me.
1: Wow. Like,
0: all the people lined up. It was beautiful. There was tens of thousands of people there. I didn't want to acknowledge any of them mm. because it just like, it was just me versus me at that point to get to that finish line. Mm-hmm. And I love- those physical challenges because it is about that mental resilience that you build up with yourselves you know when I was doing Sunday long runs and it was 5am and I was waking up to meet the guys that I was running with and we were doing 20 mile runs you know I didn't want to be there you know I would have much rather been out on a Saturday night in LA you know having fun and and seeing my friends but I made a sacrifice. And that was what, that's what this year is about for me. It's about committing to the things that I've always wanted to do. And I loved ultra running growing up. I used to run cross country. I always wanted to run a marathon. I had, I remember my dad would buy me these books on like ultra marathons and these crazy marathons in different places. And I got to a point where I'm 27 and I've done a lot in my life, but there's some things that I've always wanted to do
1: that. It's like, why haven't I done that yet? I love that man. I, I actually agree with you. I think, I, I think what happens in life is that suddenly you wake up one day and you're suddenly like, shit, I haven't done all the things that I wanted to do, and and we and I think life is just full of distractions and responsibilities and issues and problems and ups and downs and lefts and rights. And actually, there's something amazing about doing something that you really want to do. I've said this story before, but that I met this amazing guy who who quit his job because he just. just he was earning so much money and he he was he was to believe that his life was all about making money and Mm -hmm. he made a lot of money and then realized he still wasn't happy and so he quit his job and he just quit it on the spot and he's just done some amazing things and he always says you got to use the rocking chair technique which is if you're 90 years old sitting in your rocking chair on your porch are you gonna look back at your life and realize that you've done all the things that you wanted to do. Cause it's that cheesy thing, this isn't a dress rehearsal. We've got to go out and do 100%. what we wanna do. And I I look up I, I ask myself that
0: question a lot. Is like, God forbid if I was to, you know, die tomorrow, would I mm. be would I have accomplish the things that I wanted to personally for myself, not for, you know, this grander, bigger picture of making money, of, you know, doing this or that. Or when I get to the end of my life, I don't want to get to the end of my life with regrets, you mm. know? it's And it seeps into everything, you know? Say how you feel, do the things you want to do, you know? if What's the worst that's going to happen? You you won't get there or somebody's going to say no to you, you know? Or ask the girl out there you want to ask out or the guy or whatever it is. Or just like, I think... we. And this is all trying because one day is great, the the next day isn't. But living your authentic life and being true to yourself is the only way that I think we'll get to the end of our life and we'll sit there and go, you know what? I behaved how I wanted to behave in that moment and I was true to myself and I did the things that I wanted to do.
1: But has this switched in your mind? Like, was there a point where you suddenly like, right, I need to start living my authentic self? Because were you not living your authentic self for a while? No, I was. I've always been, I think I,
0: I think I was living my authentic self. Mm -hmm. Then I went on Love Island, Mm -hmm. which is not authentic is is not as authentic as in terms of a show right is is not authentic in it's i tried to be as authentic as i could but ultimately this show creates you into a character i'm incredibly grateful for that show don't get me wrong it propelled my life i've done things i've been places i've met people i'm i i'm still reaping the rewards of it so i'm incredibly grateful for it but all of a sudden i came out of that and it i kind of wondered and questioned who i was and i think it Portrayed me as one type of person, which was an element of who I am, but wasn't who I am. Then all these random people believed that they knew me for that person. Then I ran away from this kind of more deeper spiritual side of myself because I felt like I was being judged because of that. Because um, they thought you people thought you're being inauthentic, right? No, people thought that that was all I was, was this like deep and spiritual guy that didn't have any other layer to him besides like getting deep and and (laughs) or you know charging my fucking crystals and
1: I can not be fucking deep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what, you think I'm deep? Watch this. Watch this. How do you exactly. not be deep? Well, you I don't have to be deep. Look, yeah, I only like you because of your looks. Look, like, am I deep? Like, yes, you have to do it
0: Literally. And, and then I moved really get, far away from that. People get people
1: for anything. Anything and everything.
0: And that's the world that we live in. And I then resented that for a while. And then I found myself in a weird place where I wasn't aligned to anything that, I I kind of built my foundations off of. So then it was a journey of getting back to that, of changing things in my career, in my personal life, in the way that I do things. Um, And then up until this point, yeah.
1: Spin your passion into a business of Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. Cause I did a reality show for, for years is I always say that in the book. I'm like, like people, I think people realize that now. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I did it. I it, I think people would know it, but I, I definitely, um, yeah. What was that experience like for you? Dude, I think for me, what happened was is that I okay, I I, I became like a character almost, mm-hmm. and and so you imagine Love Island, you're in a villa and you've got cameras and stuff like that, and someone says, oh, you're really deep, and then people go, oh, you are like, okay, well, I'm going to be deep, and then yes. you're known as the deep person, uh-huh. right? And then suddenly you're like, well, hang on, I don't, I've got way more layers to this than just being the deep person. For me, I was like, I went into my first ever scene and I was myself completely. First season, myself done. And what I realized because of social media, or whatever, they're like, oh my God, he's like the really energetic, fun, happy, funny guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was like, well, that's what I got to be. Yeah. I've got to be that guy. So every single scene I went into, it was dialed up a bit more, yes. dialed up a bit more, dialed up a bit more to the point that whenever I wasn't in a scene, I was like still that same person uh-huh. everywhere I was going. So then what happened was I kind of lost that sense of self. Mm-hmm. And my thing was different was that I was just like all over the place in terms of who I was. And so I. For me, what changed it for me was probably pretty much just before lockdown, where I suddenly went back to being my complete authentic self. Mm-hmm. And that's really hard to kind of twist that around. For sure. It's, it's really hard. The right? hardest thing. Yeah. Because
0: you've got accustomed to being one type of way and you believe that's how you have to present yourself to with everyone you meet and everyone you see. And then all of a sudden it's like, wait, but I'm human. And actually like no one person is one type of way in every single situation, in Mm -hmm. every type of feeling and emotion. And I think that the spectrum of emotions and feeling is, is, is so broad that to be human is to really live between all of those feelings, the ups, the downs, the middle bits, the highs, the lows, all of that. And I think that that not, sharing that as well with others then just creates negative inward emotions that you know you're holding and and then you start to resent people for it and and yeah Mm.
1: i i had it where um because i was kind of being i suppose like not really myself and and I was being i mean all, almost inauthentic to myself because I was just like extremely heightened ah and I'd shout of the of oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> I would then sort of reject social engagements because it would be too much pressure to behave that person, yeah. and so then I had a loss of connection mm-hmm. and and for me, my loss of connection was one of the hardest things to deal with because you know you know we've seen like data and statistics show that when you have loss of connection that really leads to some dark places in terms of anxiety and stuff like that. When You, you were a puppet, essentially. Yeah, And you for felt sure. like you had to, you know, Juracel bunny and you had to show up with your batteries charged. That's exactly it. And the batteries were never charged. Did you have the same thing where you you go into Love Island, you do all of that, you then come out and you have all these things thrown at you. It's very exciting. Did you have the same experience, which a lot of people have, which you suddenly feel that you're having a, a lost connection, you're distancing yourself from maybe friends, family, people that you love, all that kind of stuff. Were you just living a sort of life that wasn't
0: It do you know real? what I I'm incredibly lucky to have the family and the close group of friends that I've had mm. and it's as as I get older I realize how rare it is especially for like my close group of friends which I made at school, you know, in year so 7, year 8, it? year 9 and I've kept them and I've got two older brothers, we're all quite close in age, a little sister, and my parents are divorced, but a, a tight-knit family who have always kept me grounded and have always questioned if they thought something was wrong. And, and we all do it to each other. And my friends have stood by me, even at those points where, you know, I've been potentially a little bit on my high horse and, you know, running with this newfound fame that it was and life that it was and going here and meeting this person and they stood by me. And so I never felt that disconnect because the people around me have been great people to me and have, you know, Always kept me grounded by taking the piss, and you know when I'm still the youngest of three brothers, and that that will never change, yeah. no matter you know what the Daily Mail wants to write or where I get papped or or who I'm dating or whatever it is.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it, it, it's I like the way that you talk about Love Island. That I had a friend of mine who did the show with me for many years, there's a couple of them as you probably guess, and <laughs> he hates it, mm-hmm. and he hates the link to Maiden Chelsea, and he hates it so much. And I had a big conversation about it the other day. I was like, why? That's your past. He's like because it's brought up every single time, and it's and it's annoying, and it's this and it's that. And I said, well, and then and I and I gave him a story. I said, do you not see when Harry Styles went on stage at the Brits? Right, I think it was the Brits, or oh, it was the Grammys, but I think it was the Brits. Um, and Harry's like, he's the biggest pop star in the world, and he gets on stage and he says, uh, I just want to thank my four brothers, Louis, wow. uh, Zayn, wow. uh, Liam, uh, Nile. Um, I want to say thank you for my. Problem. I want to say thank you to the X Factor because I wouldn't be here now. Wow. That's the biggest star in the world saying for that, sure. thanking the X Factor. You know what I mean? And he, what he's done is done the opposite. He's leaned into it. You have yes. all these stars leaving the X Factor, going, I, I, yeah. "It's not me." It's CLA like that. But actually, l- enjoying your roots and going, you know what? This is my. This is my story. This way That's a good thing. We uh, we can't shy away from
0: it. I went through my hating stage. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Did you really? Uh, One million percent. Yeah, I. All I wanted to do was distance myself as much as possible. And naturally- But why though, why? Because it pigeonholes you and it typecasts you and people then disregard everything else you've ever done, everything else you've ever achieved, everything else you're trying to do and put you in a tiny little fucking box and say- you're creating that box yourself. But other people are trying to put you in that box as well. Sure. And so I went through that stage and feeling where i was like the only way that i can step out of this box is by coming as far away from it as possible and then i looked at it and part of it was me creating that box i'm a determined guy i believe i'm going to achieve everything i want to achieve that is meant for me with or without love island and love island was part of that and i'm incredibly grateful for what it's done for me but i definitely went through that hating stage and then i almost had this realization like. It was part of my journey that was meant to meant to be that I trust a lot in, in the process of life and taking opportunities that come my way and at least hearing them out. And then if they present themselves, then I do it. And that is exactly what I did with Love Island. I never really watched the show before, like hand on heart. I'm not a big reality TV guy. It's just, I can't sit down for very long. So I don't watch that much TV, but I was modeling at the time. I was living in Cape Town for the second time, for the second year in a row for the model season there, which was the most wild time of my life. And I
1: camps bay baby. Wow. Yeah. yeah wow. Yeah. Bungalow, isn't it? Bungalow isn't
0: on the beach. Bungalow. <laughs> models from all over the world would descend on Cape Town. Yeah. For the model season, because they
1: got the scenery right, and that's where everything goes. And when yeah. it's
0: winter in Europe, it's summer yeah. there. Yeah. All these people got a sense of like this lawlessness because they're in like africa almost and yeah. it is just like beautiful people all single all partying all trying to work
1: it was jesus should we go there now that honestly, sounds phenomenal that sounds well, unbelievable you've got a couple more weeks until you yeah, are married i'm, I'm so. not married yet let's go let's get on the yeah. plane and go it was
0: it was insane but anyway that I was doing that. I could see Love Island and people were loving it. My brother watched it a lot. And I kept on getting a DM a few years in a row being like, would you like to audition? Is that what happened? They yes, just DM'd they, you? they DM'd me, the casting producers or whatever, DM'd me a couple of times for a few years in a row. And I didn't think anything of it. As the show was becoming Get more Get out popular, of here. When they DM you straight away, you didn't reply? No, not for the, because I- like, I didn't really want to put myself out there like that. But then as the show gained gained popularity, friends would be like, oh, you would be great on Love Island. You'll be great on Love Island. You know, people... And how old are you at this point? I'm I'm 23 okay, at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I remember getting this DM for like the third year in a row. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. It keeps from popping up. There must be a reason. You know, I'm going to say, yeah, I'll audition when I'm back. Started the audition process um, and then went on the show. And I it's funny when i said i would audition for it there was this like i knew i was going on there i have no idea why but there was this really weird feeling that it was like i know i'm doing this now like i've committed i've opened the the channel and this
1: door and and here i go wow what did what was the um so the reason behind it was because you're like well this is this is my path right I, i was modeling.
0: I always wanted to be recognized as more than just, you know, a pretty face. Mm-hmm. I wanted to show people who I was. I was single. I could see the rise of the show and the height of it and what it was doing for people. It was at the time where social media was starting to become this like booming industry. And mm-hmm. and all these different factors added to the, the reason that I went on it. Because it's not solely to find love, but I was open to that idea because I was single. You know, I was somewhat gaining recognition as a model, shooting really cool campaigns, building up a social media following. I liked the idea of potentially, you know, being in the public eye, being famous, whatever it was. And I thought,
1: you know, why not? Where where does this spiritual side come from? Where where does that come from? Because like, did you, were you born with it? Is your parents doing? Like where did it come from? I think. Is it because of the divorce? No, I think
0: a lot of it probably comes from my mum. Mm -hmm. um i have always just i think it comes from a certain sense of self-confidence where it's like i believe that i can achieve what i want if i set my mind to it and i put those things into practice and i you know i i think about it and i and i work towards it and then seeing those kind of things happen when you're manifesting or, or when you're, you know, people think manifesting is like, you're just sat there and your eyes are closed and you're just squeezing really hard. And you're thinking about, you know, that one thing that you want to happen. And, and in six months of sitting there, squeezing eyes closed, it happens, mm. you know, it's far from that, but it's about, it's about action and doing the things that you need to do to get to that point And also believing that you are there before you get there. Mm. It doesn't come without the action part. And I think that's where people are confused or, or go a bit wrong, or maybe I'm wrong and maybe they're not. But I think the action part is what sets the things in motion, and then it's about knowing deep down in your in your core that that's what you are and that's what you're going to become. When I was a model, you know, I'm five nine. I might have a decent looking face but I'm not your average height or stats for a model whatsoever but I believed I was a model and I knocked on every bloody agency door in London before one opened to me and they signed me as a fitness model I then booked my first job with Adidas I then started to work I then started to book other fitness jobs and then I would test with photographers and do these shoots and I would wear brands that I liked or you know get loaned brands to shoot and all of a sudden I was putting this image out there that I was a model and I was working for these brands and perception is everything. People assumed I was. And then all of a sudden I got, you know, I was walking down the King's road. I just had a meeting at Storm modeling agency Mm. who turned me down because I wasn't the right fit. And I passed the owner of Nev's modeling agency. And this guy looked at me really strange and I kept on walking and turned back and he was still looking at me. And I remember going like, what are you looking at me for? Hey, you want this? Hey, like, buddy, yeah. you want this? Fucking come on, there. Hey, you Sunshine. want this?
1: Come on. <laughs>
0: and he comes up to me and he goes, oh, I'm the owner of Nev's modeling agency. What are you doing here? And I was like, oh, funnily enough, I just had a meeting at Storm. Didn't tell him that they didn't sign me. Just yeah. kind of said, oh, that's what I'm here to do. He was like, why don't you come in and meet the
1: team? And I got scouted and signed there, Being right there. Being scouted is, I, I've never... Being scouted. I was scouted once for Abercrombie and Fitch and I see that. Dancing uh, on the balcony. No, no, you got it wrong. I was scouted to work in the stockroom. And and I don't understand how someone could be scouted to just put I did clothes that job. on shelves. Like that is you did not do I the stock did that job You were on the door, obviously. No, I was not. You were in the stock no, i wasn't well. tall enough to be on the door. Dude, I don't think it was about my height. I didn't know what the <laughs> fuck was going on. I not You know that documentary that like I wasn't allowed to use the stairs. <laughs> yeah. I was that person I wasn't allowed to use the stairs. Um yeah, but that's so you, so you had this I but it feels like you've always had I this I think it comes from reading books. I've read a lot of, I hate
0: calling them self-help books, but just like some things resonated with me. I wasn't, I haven't, I was never good at anything. Does that make sense? In school, I like, I was dyslexic and dyspraxic. I went to a dyslexic school for a year in Pimlico. You know, I was never academic at school, Mm -hmm. but I always somehow managed to scrape and get by. I was sporty and I was good at sport, but I was never the best at sport. I like, but so I, you had to find your own way. I right? had to that's find tricky. my own way, that's and I hard. think I talk a lot about passion because I love passion, and yeah. I, I think passion is just what drives I, us. It drives us, and totally. what I live my life by. And when I'm passionate about something, I think that's what opens those doors for me
1: yeah i i because you because i suppose what i get the sense dude, and, and, and you know for how we know each other it's like you you, you you're you're kind of a, an emotional sort of you're very open mm-hmm. to being vulnerable which is a good thing but you said that your parents went through a divorce how was that for you how my parents are divorced as well what how old were you when that happened? i was 15 16 oh so it um, was a pretty shitty age it was a pretty shitty age
0: but it it wasn't that tough i I mentioned my two older brothers. We're really close. And mm. I think when my parents were going through a divorce, we got closer because we were all there for each other. Um, I think it resulted in a lot of smoking weed. Yeah, yeah, then. always. That's just, what happens. Like we just turned into stoners. Yeah yeah, um, yeah, yeah, And played on the fact that like my mom was going through it, my dad was going through it. So we'll have our mates over and get stoned yeah. in the fucking hey, back and garden. Screw you
1: parents. Yeah, Literally. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: I think my, my parents still navigated parenting us as a unit. Mm-hmm. And so although it felt weird, I was at an age where, you know, I just hit puberty. I was focused on girls. And, and so it just wasn't, it, it wasn't in the forefront of your mind. It wasn't always. at the forefront. And like we were raised to be somewhat emotionally intelligent and outspoken boys. Yeah. yeah. So we would talk about some of it and, I don't know My brothers might have Different ideas But you were okay and, with it But I was The I,
1: distractions were there Yeah Dude what I want to do I want to talk about Relationships and love But we're going to stop there For part one We're going to come back In part two You ready for this You ready um, to get even deeper Let's go baby Oh my <laughs> god It's freaking going to get deep Okay everybody We'll see you in part two Just go and click across To part two in Right now Do it now Bye